welcome to Connecting Citizens to Science, a podcast from the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine about engaging communities in global health research. I'm Kim Ozano. And I'm Bea Eggard. And throughout this series, we'll be talking to researchers from around the world, exploring how they connect with people to address a range of challenges in global health. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. This month's series is all about non-communicable diseases, or NCDs. And in this week's episode, we will be hearing about the experience of addressing NCD care by engaging with East African governments. But before we begin, hello, Joseph. How are you today? And tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, Kim. And hello, everyone. So my name is Joseph Okebe. I have a background in medicine and uh, have been involved in clinical research um, that you know, addresses this burden of non-communicable diseases you know, in, in, in Africa. So really, really keen to be here. And thanks for having me. Wonderful. Nice to hear from you again. So let's move on with the episode. We have the honor of welcoming Professor Mfunanga. Professor, how are you today? And tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and where you are right now. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm fine. My, my name is Professor Sayuki Godfrey Mfunanga. I work with National Institute for Medical Research. I'm a chief research scientist at NIMRI, but I have honorable professor position at Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. Uh, I work at, uh, at, at, the, at, the, at the National Institute for Medical Research. I work in tuberculosis, HIV, NCDs, and the zoonotic diseases. Wow, uh, that's quite the profile there. It sounds like you have lots of influence around NCDs generally. Maybe you could tell us about the NCD situation in sub-Saharan Africa and some of the work you're doing with East African governments at the moment. Okay, thank you. Yes, I think this is a really major issue, public health issue in sub-Saharan Africa, because when you look at the proportion of deaths that are occurring uh, attributable to non-communicable diseases, these are occurring below the age of 70, and these are premature a premature death that shouldn't occur, um, and mainly contributed to cardiovascular diseases, cancer, diabetes, chronic respiratory diseases. About more than 80% of premature deaths are coming from, from these four major non-communicable diseases. The trend in the region is increasing. If you look at Africa in terms of mortality attributable to non-communicable diseases, quickly, just from 2017 to 2020, you see mortality ranging from 27 to up to 50% with Rwanda having the highest mortality. And if you look at the increasing trend, you see that there is an increasing trend in non-communicable diseases, especially cardiovascular, hypertension, diabetes, has compared to communicable diseases. And you are aware that our system in, in East Africa are very well structured in terms of communicable diseases, but not communicable diseases. So these are challenges that are coming up. And to give a, just a bit more light on the morbidity and the NCD issues, is that the, 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 the traditional risk factors for NCD are still there, but we are getting risk from communicable diseases because of inflammation, because of people taking drugs like in HIV. So they are adding double risk. So yeah, it is a problem. It is a problem in the region and it is actually a double impact that you see multimorbidity 
a patient having hypertension, diabetes, and HIV, having either two or three conditions. So the multimorbidity issue is increasing and we need to structure our health system. Um, that, that is a quick, quick picture on the uh, non-communicable diseases in, in the region. Thank you very much. I can really see that this double impact of risk is, is really hitting uh, sub-Saharan Africa quite hard. And the upward trend of NCDs really means that action needs to start now. So tell us some of the work you're doing to address this increased burden and double risk factors. Oh, okay, uh, let me talk a little quickly a little bit about the what are the government uh, doing and then later on we can talk about research. You see now our government in, in the region are struggling addressing control and prevention of NCDs in the region. They have, they have like a strategic document established in all the government. They have strategic document for NCD. Some government has established national non-communicable control and prevention programs within, within the government. This year, vertical. WHO has like time-bound set of targets that they need the states to, to achieve. There are like nine, for instance, targets like reduction of overall mortality from cardiovascular diseases and cancer, diabetes, and chronic respiratory infection by 25% by 2030. So government are working very hard to be able to meet all these targets that are, are required to, to be met. But it is expensive. It is expensive to run this control and the research data is limited. But the government are trying. They have made like partnership with, with like uh, NCD Alliance, for instance, in Tanzania, we have Tanzania NCD Alliance, Tanzania Diabetic Associations, like National Kidney Foundation, and so on. But also they have work on the budget, but still the budget is not enough because of, as I said earlier, the double impact that the region is receiving. We have like insurance schemes for the patients, but this is also not, not for everybody. So we are struggling with how we can be able to cover costs treatment for, for patients with NCDs. Um, they have enforcement of some, some regulations. Uh, they have like in national alcohol policy in place. They have like food legislations in place, but the reinforcement of this legislation again is another issue because of budget issues. But they do have also like a program for campaign to raise awareness for the general public. We see also in some in, in the guideline, the policy guideline, like the strategic plan, they are mentioned, the government are mentioned, uh, promoting integration of NCDs in order to be able to manage a patient much more easier. There are some reorganization in terms of building a specialized facility like a cardiovascular hospital, renal unit, cancer centers, dental. But as you can see, these this are not enough. I think research is needed in order to be able to shape how we deal with the, in the region. 
government have conducted a survey like a step survey supported by WHO. So at least we know levels for the for the traditional risk in the region, they are quite high. And also there are some kind of monitoring uh, which need to be strengthened through the ministry programs. You see these, the, these uh, strategies or these units that are focusing on these issues. But also there are like public campaigns, especially for the breast cervical cancer, and the like public campaign for screening. But these, they are periodic. They are not, it's not something that is sustainable. So there, there's a lot of strategy, but we need a lot of research in order to shape how we should focus this double impact issue. So just to kind of recap for our listeners, it sounds like there's a lot going on at the government level. There's prevention campaigns, screening, new treatment units, global targets from the WHO, policy reforms, data analysis, monitoring, and uh, the kind of establishment of new units that are focused on NCDs. I think this is really useful right. to, to paint the scale of the, the, the picture here on trying to address NCD care from a government level. Can I ask you, Professor, when you refer to governments, is this at the national level and at the subnational and local level? What does it mean for those levels, please? Yes. Uh, normally, the way uh, the, when I refer to the government, the Minister of Health is one the one that is responsible for for health issues in our country. So the ministry is, is organizing has been organized itself in terms of national level. You can come to zonal, regional level and also district level. So you see there are facilities which are in the tertiary, secondary and primary level and also supporting primary health care and through cutting throughout the different levels that I have, I have mentioned. So the ministry is responsible to report to government of how things are being, uh, how situation is, uh, is being controlled. Great. Thank you very much. That helps me understand the different uh, health systems levels and, and how they're interacting. Can you just remind us which country are you currently working in right now? Well, we have research work that we are working in Tanzania and Uganda. Uh, but myself, I based, I'm based in Tanzania. I'm a Tanzanian and I'm based in I'm working here in Dar es Salaam. But we are conducting research to find how we can best management chronic conditions in Africa. And we are working in Tanzania and Uganda, but we have a very broader partnerships with Northern, with Northern country. Uh, primarily, we are being supported by Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine. Wonderful, thank you very much. And before we go into that research much further, I'll hand over to Joseph. Yeah, um, thanks. Thanks, Kim. And uh, yeah, thanks, Prof. There's apparently a lot going on at the moment. But um, just to sort of get your thoughts around how do you think the patients, the Ministry of Health and researchers, what do you think would be the blueprint for successfully interacting to address NCDs in East Africa and, 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 and beyond? Oh, thank you. That, that, that is a very, is a very nice and the crucial questions. Currently, there isn't a really uh, organized formal way, 
But if we want to be able to address the NCD issues, and since I said earlier that we still have the communicable diseases, we really need to engage multidisciplinarity. We really need to engage broad stakeholder engagement in a way that is structured. Currently, it doesn't exist, but there is a lot of effort that are coming from either individual research in defining how people should interact. So in order to bring in the multidisciplinarity issue, in order to be able to control the situation. And mm. when I say multidisciplinarity issues, is including also like patients, other community member forum, other NGOs, other sectors, and having a way of co communicating. As I said earlier, currently communication has been through maybe a television, maybe through a newspaper, uh, a periodic public campaign, and so on. So they are not like well structured in a regular interval, in a repetitive manner, in order to promote understanding how NCDs should be handled. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Rafan. And you, you're right. We really need some structured ways of um, of engaging with the different stakeholders, sort of identifying who these are and having a, a clear plan of, you know, how, when and, and, and what would be the terms of those kind of engagements. Yeah, thanks. I was I was looking at some of the work you've done and I was quite fascinated when I joined the group and heard about how this collaboration that you've been working with with the other investigators ha have been set up. Maybe you could using this as sort of an example to sort of describe how it has been successful. Oh, oh th thank you, thank you, Joseph. Respond Africa is a, a network that is working to come with research evidence on how best to manage chronic conditions in Africa, and I enjoy it a lot. Because the approach is broader, we, ha we have engaged the uh, broader stakeholders within Tanzania, Uganda, and the in thinking, in planning, and also incorporating concepts and strategy from participatory approach uh, from the contribution that we get from different stakeholders. And the, 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 the NCD is a big problem, but for us, we said, let us focus, let us start from somewhere. And we came into consensus to work with diabetes, hypertension, and HIV, because HIV is a chronic condition. Uh, and we decided to be strategic that we can learn a lot of lessons with HIV because it's well-structured, it's well-funded, and you can see it in all levels, starting from the ministry, starting from the, whether it's tertiary, secondary, primary health cares, to the community. And uh, there is a lot of success from HIV. And then we said, okay, HIV now is also a chronic condition, but we can use HIV and learn how to manage diabetes and hypertension. By the way, diabetes and, hi uh, and hypertension, they are the really high risk of causing uh, cardiovascular diseases, which is the leading cause of death. So we, we grasped the two concepts. The first one was integration of services. To see chronic condition have kind of similar uh, attributes or characteristics. So we thought that if we come out with integration package, 
it can help outcomes. It can help clinical outcome. It's also economical outcomes. So we started with uh, developing a model for integration. We developed it. And then after the first year, we were successful. We concluded it was feasible because we had maintained like retention more than 80%, both in Uganda and in Tanzania. And then the viral load, our participants were well suppressed, reaching the target which HIV they, they, they are using. So, so we, it showed that we didn't affect the HIV services. So we designed a cluster randomized, large study, trial in Tanzania and Uganda. We, ha, we, we are just finishing that now. We are in the stage of analyzing data when we involved 32 facilities in both two countries. Half of the facility uh, implemented the integration package we developed earlier, and half of the facility we evaluated, they implemented the standard of care, and then we compare endpoint, especially the retention and the viral load suppression. We are doing analysis now, but our preliminary results shows that the retention is very good. Again, more than 80%. Viral load suppression is very good, about 90%. We are expecting that the final uh, analysis and the final finding will be, will be good. So the issue is scale up of these interventions. But mm. at the same time, Joseph, if I can uh, continue, we think that this integration thing is good because we learned a lot from HIV. We want to be to decentralize it to the community, learning from HIV, HIV programs, because it, with the HIV program, they're in the community and they're doing a lot. So we have designed another trial, also is a cluster randomized. We will have group of patients being managed in the community and we will compare with uh, integrated services at the facility. Our aim at the end of the day is to show the outcomes in terms of clinical outcome, in terms of economical outcome, in terms of acceptability, feasibility of this program. Let me say that with NCDs or with multimobility, multimobility is a condition where you have a person having more than, than, than two conditions, you see they have like, for instance, they have diabetes, they have hypertension or any other combination. So with this kind of mobility thing, which is a chronic thing, you need a very strong primary healthcare system. I, 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 I personally think that Africa should go to strengthen primary healthcare system to take care of these kind of, of patients. Back to you, Joseph. Yeah, th thanks so much. I think one of the things you pointed out in the discussions around these uh, multiple stakeholders, and uh, I think I remember reading somewhere that you have national steering committees uh, who, uh, maybe you should talk, maybe explain a bit more about those national steering committees, because it, it was quite unique because you had patient representatives steering your research, sort of directing and dictating what should be those research questions. Yes, Joseph. Yeah. So in terms of organization of the research that we have, we are doing, we established the several committees. So we have like national steering committee, both in country, Tanzania and Uganda. We have international steering committee where we bring members from Uganda, from Tanzania and from UK. But you also bring in 
like a patient expert, uh, expert uh, uh, patient who really are expert now. They, they are long patients who have been living with one of these conditions and therefore they, in terms of they are impacted with knowledge from patient perspective. So we bring them into our committees. The way the committee are set, they include different discipline in terms of technical, but also in terms of the participant community, in terms of community. So we have this, the steering committee, which is international, but we have national steering committee. And at the national steering committee, we are bringing in policymakers. By the way, uh, we brought in policy makers, makers very early when we are discussing the concept before even starting this intervention. So they came very early. They advised us how we should, what we should do. And therefore, we are also keeping the policy makers throughout the research that we are doing. And, and that's why you see now they are coming into the steering committee. But we also bring other policymakers that maybe we are not involved in the project, but according to the levels, I said we have national, we have like zonal, regional. So we bring representative from there in these committees to advise us. But we also have a community advisory board, which have really, we, these are not experts. We have like one or two experts, but most of them are not experts. They are coming from, they are representing different parts of our population. Uh, we have patients, we have religious leaders, from Muslims, from Christians, uh, and other sectors that are covered in this, what we call a community board, community advisory body. They are all, uh, advising how we should uh, implement these strategies, control and prevention. Of so th thank you again, Prof, for that really you know, interesting approach by having multiple stakeholders right from the beginning of research all through planning and, and implementation. So presumably now that some of the work you've done has finished or is, is about rounding up, how do you think these research findings will impact these communities going forward? Yes, let, let, let me first, um, before going to the people living with the condition, let me start first with um, our government. You see, we, we need to work on how to scale up these interventions. We are waiting for the final result to confirm the scientific evidence of benefit of integrating services, Joseph. You know, Joseph, when you have diabetes and you, when you have like hypertension and HIV, they require to monitor your renal function, right? Um, now, when you come for the diabetes, they will take some, some laboratory investigation for renal. If you, you are coming in a vertical a clinic, which is really not integrated, and then you have another appointment to come to your hypertension, clinic, which is a different one, and then they take a lab investigation for the kidney, and then you come for HIV, they take another lab investigation for kidney. You see there is fragmented services, but in our, in our intervention, these services are integrated. They are not fragmented. It has a lot of advantage for the health system, for the government in terms of reducing costs, but it has a lot of advantage in terms of reducing cost for the patient. They don't need to come to, to facilitate three times in different three days. 
they don't need to pay or to pay for the same investigation three times. In the hospital, uh, lab staff is not required to test the same thing three times different. He will only do it once. That is just one component of integration, but the integration is uh, through the whole spectrum of patient management uh, from the doctor, from the counseling, from the farmers, from the record and so on. So we, we needed to disseminate the outcomes, but we also we needed to disseminate the economical impact of our program to the policy makers and other people can invest more in scaling up this intervention in a pure routine system. I mean, the policy take up of, the, of, of this intervention. This is the stage where we are. We expect when we have our final result, we'll start dissemination. But to the patient also, you have been doing social science throughout in the beginning and in the middle of the intervention, at the end of the intervention. And the patient really don't like to go back to individual clinic because they don't want to waste their time you come, you queue, you wait, you, you see, you, you, these are chronic conditions. Sometimes they are not even very sick. They are coming to collect their drugs. So you come so many times to the facility, you, you waste a lot of time. So patients, some of uh, finding from our social scientists indicated that patients really like these integrated uh, services. They say it has a lot of benefit to them than harm. So uh, that's how they feel. And you know, in individual like clinic, like the system that is running now, patients are running out of pocket. They spend a lot of money, they spend a lot of time, and it's a huge economical burden to patients in their life. Any suggestions in terms of scale up? I know there are sort of some discussions around, you know, um, scale up. What what would, in your opinion, would be, let's say, an ideal model for scaling this up? Um, we have a lot of experience now with the program. We have acquired or oh, we have worked with different sectors, with different stakeholders, and we are ready to share this. I think it should go step by step. We should start. Actually, if we were ready, we could start with the area already that we have seen the system working. What we needed to do is to disseminate the finding, convince everybody that this is we have evidence, but also harmonizing harmonizing the tools for integration. You see, there is a basic need for integration. So harmonize the tools. We share our experience with the routine health system and then come into an agreement what can be implemented together. How can this be adopted in a routine system? And after we have done this, since we have a, a lot of experience now, we can give technical support while we are implementing this strategy in facilities. Not all facilities at a go. We could start with a fewer one, refine, uh, face other challenges, refine and then scale up, refine and then scale up. But 
we shouldn't start that before we get a consensus of all sectors that I need to be involved in this intervention, including community. I think that is what is needed. At the same time, when you see, you look at the approach we are using in integration, in actual fact, we are strengthening primary health care systems to be able to manage this kind of patient. People living with diabetes, hypertension, and HIV, either they are having one or two or three conditions. And even we will see that they could even have other more conditions. At the same time, we have to keep on documenting other conditions that uh, might coexist with these ones. So, uh, Joseph, I think the big solution for this is a very strong primary health care system, of which I think we have demonstrated that in our integration approach. Wow, excellent. Th- thanks so much, Prof. Thanks so much. And uh, yeah, I'll, um, I'll hand over back to Kim now. And uh, yeah, thanks again. Thank you, Prof. Here at the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast, we really want to understand how communities and uh, people with lived experience, the patients, have inputted into the design and implementation of the interventions. So you said that you developed a model for integration. It's feasible. You're ready to scale up and learn ongoing. Could you tell me what kind of input did patients and the community advisory board have in the steering committee and in the design of the intervention? I'll give you examples. Um, initially, we thought we were the one who need really to be, because we are the expert, we one who really have to give the education to the participant. But later on, we found that expert patients were much more experienced and the way they talk to the participant is different from the experts. Uh, and therefore, we use the expert patient to do some of component of our services. And it was much more acceptable. They received it so well. And, and we, th- we, we, even when we are scaling up, we should also consider integrating some function to be done by like expert patients and the community leaders, there are some community leaders to, to, for the participant to fully there and participate in the program. It works much more well if there is much uh, uh, participation of community leaders. They trust community leaders, they trust religious leaders, um, which initially when we started, we didn't uh, know that, or we are not very keen on that. But now we are, we are very keen that if we, we, you engage the community, influential people in the community, the, the program become much more successful. That's great. Thank you very much. Um, and just reflecting on that, have you learned what we as researchers need to do to support patients to input into program design? Is there any training or discussions that worked particularly well for you? I think we need to listen more to the community, especially when we talk to community, especially when we want to engage the community, especially when we want the community to carry out some component of the intervention. We need to listen 
and to, to actually pilot some of the things they are talking. Because sometimes you might, we, we assume we have our professional stigmas, and ah, this is not possible. Like I can tell you, when we started integrated clinic in one of the facilities here in Tanzania, we as experts, we said that we should not put, set up this clinic at HIV clinic because Patients who have diabetes and they do not have like HIV, they will not go to HIV clinic. Patients who have hypertension, they, are, they do not have HIV, they will not go to HIV clinic, maybe because of stigma. But then when we talked to patients themselves, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a problem at all. We used the social scientists to talk to patients, to group of patients, like some kind of sub-study, and it wasn't true. It was a, this, we called it Dr. Stigmas, because like the whole committee that we were there on that day deciding that, no, we should not set up this clinic at HIVC, which is HIV treatment care clinic, we were wrong. And then we decided to do what they said. It was the most successful site in terms of implementing integration, to date, the integrated services is still there at the uh, HIV clinic. So we needed to listen, to listen to people, to listen to different stakeholders. But we also, among ourselves, need, needed to discuss and also use evidence, research evidence we have to influence what we should do. I think the overarching message here is we must learn to listen and get over yes. our own our own ideas of placing ourselves as experts. And did I hear you right? Did you call that Dr. Stigmas? Yes, I called it Dr. Stigmas. And we, when we meet, we all laugh. <laughs> I think it's a really good term. And, and I think that's one we can take moving forward. Um, I really like the idea of piloting what expert patients say and, and learning from that ourselves. So I've learned a lot from, from that final answer. Any final advice to anyone working in the field of NCDs in relation to, to communities? Uh, my big advice is to strengthen primary health cares involving even non-health cadre, uh, like uh, community health workers, like uh, uh, patient, expert patients, find a role where teacher can also contribute, other people, other, other sector can also contribute. As I said, we, you see the multimorbidity in our cohort was about 20%. 20% of our patients had more than two conditions, had either two or three conditions at the same time. And this is the same picture in the region. Now, to manage these numbers of patients, at a tertiary, at a secondary, you see the hospital are congested. These patients have, are having chronic conditions. They sometimes just come to collect the drugs at the hospital. It's not necessary. That can be done at the community. What is required is to build a very strong referral system to have uh, a good algorithm for detecting patients who are not stable in the community so that they can be referred to the facility. It will also relieve the facilities at the secondary level, at the tertiary level, uh, because doctors and nurses are not many. You have congestion of people with chronic conditions that maybe they just came to collect some drugs. Other 
functions can be done at the community. So in Africa with limited resources, we need to strengthen primary health care. This is my big message. And it should, not, it, should, it should involve all sectors. We should not leave anyone in this fight against non-communicable diseases. Thank you so much. So include non-health sectors, think widely, focus on primary health care in the community level and listen to expert patients. I think that's a fine way to finish this episode. Thank you very much for your uh, participation in the Connecting Citizens to Science podcast. Listeners do like, share and subscribe. And thank you for listening as always. Thank you. Uh, Bye-bye. Thank you, Joseph, our wonderful co-host too. Thank you. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.